Uh, this, this afternoon, we're talking about slumber, sloth, and sleep. Um, the 56th chapter and the 10th verse, it says, His watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. The living says, For the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds are all blind to every danger. They'll feather brain and give no warning when danger comes. They love to lie there. They love to sleep, love to dream. The reason to have dream now, that's a euphemism from resting and imagination. And Jude calls them filter dreamers, whereas the book of Peter also says something about dreaming and filter dreamers because they live in a world of, of how a make-believe world, imaginary world, because they're shaping the world into their image and likeness. They're not seeking the kingdom of God for God to add things unto them. It's all about them. It's all about their God, their belly. They've lost uh, the big picture. The big picture is about family. It's about God. It's It's about building character. It's about the kingdom of God. But each man is seeking his own way, his own covetousness, his own greed about how big are buildings or building bigger barns. Or as the layer descends, it's about materialism, about all that they can do. So slumbering, sloth, and sleep. So they're not attentive, they're not aware when it says blind and dumb, they don't warn of anything. And they're blind to every danger that the church is drifting. It is having mission drift. Uh, a lot of in in the war they call it mission creep. It's going from one thing to another, and they're not going in the path that God has them in. So they're not warning the people of awareness of need. They feel as the lay of the sins that they have no need of nothing because of the material comforts and things that they have, not seeing their wretchedness, that their spiritual flaws. He calls them sluggards. Uh, in other words, apathetic, having spiritual neglect. If we want a pattern and find a church to go along with this, we go to the church at Sardis that's in the book of Revelations. Revelations 3, 1 through 11 says, Until the angel of the church at Sardis write, These things saith he that had the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thine works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thine works perfect before God. There about ready to die. In other words, this sleep, we know that's a euphemism for death. They're lethargic. It's a church that seems to be almost on life support. It says, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, watchfulness, told you yesterday, he told Peter, couldn't y'all not watch me with me one hour? Slumbering, their focus is on something else, slothfulness, sluggardly. They're being distracted by the world. Their focus is not on Jesus. Their 
focus is not on the kingdom of God. He says, if you will not watch, I will come to thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know at what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, and even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that had an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. So he here says, blot out that name out of the book of life. Not that you can be saved and then be lost and because that's Jesus' job. Once he saves you, he saves you. You're saved. And, and, and he's the author and the finisher of our faith. But it shows that some are in the church. Some shall be removed from the church. There will be the wheat and tares growing together, but there will be a separation. This is a time of judgment. And Zephaniah speaks of that more, speaks to the point of the day of trial and tribulation, the day of the Lord the day of judgment and we'll try to go over that before we get to the end of this it says he's warning them against spiritual sleep and you remember I told you that the, he said the shepherds was blind and they wouldn't they wasn't warning the people that's because they're dumb or ignorant not that they're not preaching and teaching or whatever but it's not the essential he has them focused on the world on prosperity and on stuff and the focus is not on their weaknesses that's why you have local congregations and local preachers because what's specific or germane to one area may not be the same probably in another area that's why you have these seven letters to different churches there were different problems going on in these different churches so this is not a universal condition Although it's Catholic, it's going on worldwide. It's not unique to any particular church or whatever, any particular individual. The book of Mark, in speaking specifically about this warning of spiritual sleep, Mark 13th chapter in the 35th verse, he says, Therefore, be continually on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning. So, in other words, don't let me come back and catch you sleeping. As the seven wise and the seven foolish was, they both slumbered and slept, but the five wise was alert or watchful enough to be able to trim their lamps. They was in a condition of readiness or alertness. They were watching. But he says to that service, they start carousing and the church have blended in with the world. They're just like the world. And so he's sending a spirit of slumber out into the world. God is sending this spirit of slumber into the churches because he says we must be vigilant. In other words, I'm warning and I'll tell y'all all the time. It's best not to come in and to come in and go to sleep. You should be watching. You should be searching because you are aware of your spiritual condition. And I'm constantly warning you that though you think you're in good shape, as the lay of the sins, he said, you poor, wretched, and naked, 
there's a spiritual lack. Uh, and that's why he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for that's the one that he's going to get. So you have to realize your spiritual poverty. And you coming in to be fed. You coming in to eat of the word and drink of the word. He says, Romans 11 and 8 says, this is what our scriptures refers to when he say that God had put them to sleep, shutting their eyes and ears so that they do not understand what we are talking about when he tells them of Christ. And so it is to this very day. In other words, he poured out a spirit of sleep, a slumber upon Israel, upon the church, upon his chosen people. You have to realize this and you have to struggle. You have to make this concerted effort. That's why it says to those that overcome. So it's actually work to stay alert. To hit, not hit the snooze and sleep a little bit longer. To not be idle. The Amplified writes, Just as it is written in Scripture, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear, a spiritual appetite that has continued to this very day. So there is this spirit. And please realize, if you can't, not resort from that thing coming over you in here. You don't realize just how near, how close Satan is to you. That if everywhere else you are, uh, whenever the gospel is preached, somebody says something about God, you become lethargic. You know, you're not listening. You're not being attentive. Because if you were faith coming by hearing, but now you've become dull of hearing. You, you're not hearing what's being preached or what's being taught so that you can go back and meditate upon this and think about this. Remember I was telling you yesterday, yesterday, both concepts are great. Not seeing the forest for the trees is a problem. But also not seeing the trees for the forest, you're looking at the big picture, you're thinking about getting heaven and everything. You, you won't reach it because you're not dealing with the details. Details matter. The trivia matter. you got to give account for every idle word. So before you can reach heaven, you have a battle here to fight down here on earth that the devil don't snare you down here, that you don't lose your rewards and everything. He says, be vigilant and be sober for your adversary, the devil, seek it whom he may devour. In other words, those sheep that are on the fringes, those animals, if you notice when a lion attacks a, a, a group or herd of people, I mean a, a, of sheep, of uh, impalas, a deer, or whatever it be, the weaker ones are the ones on the fringe are the ones he gets. Not that God don't pay them back because we know that that's why he said he told Saul to destroy Amalek because... What Amalek did, he got the stragglers behind. He got the old, he got the ones that couldn't keep up. When you isolated, you 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 think it's bad. You stay at home by yourself. Well, you know you don't feel well. You just go kind of stay at home and watch the game, but there you just go meditate. Or, you know, and you could fool yourself and make excuses. I'm just go listen at the sermon on audio, sermon audio. Or I, I'm gonna stay home and pray or whatever. And I, I, it's it's all right. No, it's not all right. It's not good to be alone. 
You need that time. That's why it says forsake not to assemble together as you said. That's your strengthening time. That's where the strength is. He sent them out two by two. The strength is in unity. We have to keep the bigger picture. Romans 13 and 11 says, Do this, knowing that this is a critical time. It is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep, that is, of your spiritual complacency. For our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. That you in that last stretch, there are a lot of people, the closer they get to home, that's more prone they are to accident because you let up off your guard. I have a, a, a one of Patricia's uncles or whatever, and his one of his his wife or someone had died. wasn't a few but a few blocks away from home was in an accident and punctured a lung or something. In the home stretch, we have a tendency to slack up, looking back of being becoming complacent, apathetic, not pressing on full ahead. That's why he says, you've lost your first love, or you've left your first love. You've left that vigilance, that diligence. You're not trying as hard. A lot of women or men say, well, I didn't got my mind, now they got to get theirs. And they leave off pleasing the husband or, or the wife. They leave off dating the spouse or keeping the spouse and not realizing I can't take them for granted. God's not going to be taken for granted. You have to pursue him with this zeal. You know, you can't just stop cooking. You can cook and warn your man. Uh, you're working, and then after you get married, you stop working or whatever. No, you, you, now you got to take care of your family. There's a lot of details in there, in this trip. First Thessalonians 5 and 6 says, So then, let us not sleep, that is, in spiritual indifference. In other words, we have to continue trying the spirits. We have to keep looking at the different religions and different things in the world. We can't be spiritually indifferent and think all Christianity is the same. No, it's not. It, it can be a deadly trap, and God can allow you to be trapped or be ensnared by these things because he keeps telling you to continue being filled with the Spirit. And that's what happened to the five foolish. They slept and not slumbered and not just kind of dozed off or whatever. So they didn't have enough oil to trim their lamps. In other words, how, when was the last time you actually studied the Bible for any period of time? When was the last time you got a concordance or a dictionary or researched something from the Bible and meditated? I mean, took time and dedicated time to doing that. Or do you do other things and think you know it? And that, that's what was getting me. The shallowness of the church and the shallowness of the people that kept saying, baptize in Jesus' name and I'm Holy Ghost feel and speaking in tongues. Those was the most deceived. Those were the ones that were going to be destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Proverbs 12 and 24. Sloth. Sloth. I don't know if you ever seen a sloth before on Discovery Channel. It moves incredibly slow. This sloth that he's talking about, Solomon was hard on the sloth on laziness. 
Proverbs 12, 24, it says, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. The slothful servant will suffer more because he's in a position where he's fooling or deceiving because the Spirit of God gives you zeal, and, and, and if you hunger and thirst, it's an ever-increasing faith. Your battery shouldn't die. The church shouldn't need revival, but if it gets in a position where it needs to be revived, that means it's almost near death. That's why he says, strengthen that which is about to die. So when you see your battery is dead, when they see that iPad going down or whatever, they need to start charging it up at that time to be able to keep using it because when it gets down to a certain percentage, it's going to shut off. It, it may not keep using it. It'll shut off, and it's not at quite the percentage that you thought you had some choice left. So you need to keep your spiritual batteries, he says, continually, to continue to be filled with the Spirit. Be continuing, in other words, continually filling yourself. And that's what the five wise did. They continued filling themselves. They left the doctrines of baptism and all that stuff behind they start studying diligently to go deeper because there's going to be greater battles to be fought that you can't win with the doctrine of baptism and all of these other things. Because he says laying aside the doctrine of baptism and laying on of hands. What else, you know? Because even the devils believe in tremble. So these are people that have a belief in God. But you're spiritually weak. And you're going to be incompatible with those around you. In the church, I, that's what I, I pray to God that He send people in because I need somebody. I need iron sharpened iron. In other words, a preacher, a teacher, he can teach better when his students are challenging him because now he has to keep up his game. You have to keep your game up, and when that's why a lot of ministries and things, the church is growing. It's not a spirit of competitiveness. But like God, when it provoked Israel to jealousy, in other words, to stir you up, you know, let him put that woman or that man around to, to know that, you know, they might get a wondering eye. If you think your husband or your wife may have a wondering eye, if you think something else, you, you will guard it a little bit better, you're not going to take it for granted. So you've taken God's word for granted and you feel you got it made. Well, there's other fish in the sea now. you got to realize God may move you. Yes. So you have to watch the details matter. It says, But the, lay, the negligent and lazy will be forced, will be put to forced labor, so those will have rule over you. You know, in this journey, as I said, in the end time, what happens when down here, we had to exist together, but God's going to pair you in eternity. You'll be around those things that make you happy and rejoice. You may not be, you're not going to struggle with the same odds and things you had down here because that's not heaven on earth. Heaven is something you're looking forward to that's going to make you happy. So you struggle in the condition God had you and you suffered, but now you will be with what? those things that cause you joy and not anguish. Yes. Those things, not that you hated those things, but you did love your enemy, but what happened when he 
takes your enemy away from around you. It's heaven then. It's a joy then. What happens when you don't have that thing that was holding you or that even though you learned to endure, you God taught you long-suffering and forbearance, but now He's going to reward you with this that's better. On a national scale, we might say that these contrast those who diligently guard their freedoms and rule themselves to those who, through laziness, have been conquered and forced into slavery. So there are those that are willing to fight for freedom, and we're seeing this playing out today, and I'm looking at the Democratic and the Republican Party, and I'm saying it's taken wisdom in both parties, but we see the one of the things that's happening in the Republican Party, the great divide, because their precepts and their premises, they were offering a talking about God, but in their everyday life, their practical life, they wasn't living it. And now those people that you thought were on your side, those people that you joined together and made one common enemy of someone else, they're more or less coalescing away from around you or whatever. They're coalescing away from around you or whatever. So whatever scale we apply this to, Solomon reveals an ethical principle that everybody in the church that works will be rewarded. God's looking at this thing. He's looking at the ones that's sleeping and they shouldn't be sleeping. A lot of people say, well, yeah, I pray for my children all the time. I pray for this and I pray for that. Yeah, that's the lie you can tell, but only God knows internally whether you're actually praying for the people that you are actually, are you, who are you praying for? What's your life? God knows the thoughts and the ways, whether you really lazy. Whether you, you could come to prayer service all the time, but in prayer service, are you just nodding down there on your knees? I used to, when it was a little bit larger in prayer service, I used to we'd hear people snoring and going on. You didn't came and sit out and went to sleep down there on your knees. A lot of times people hollering that they're fasting or they're doing all this time. It's going to come a time when the proof's in the pudding. It's in the tasting and it's in the doing. So, James, when he says about faith and the people have works and everything, he said, well, you show me your faith and I show you my faith by my works. So you can see because God will reward us according to our works. Now in that rewarding us according to our works, it's going to tell whether we were lazy or not. Because Paul, he said, let me be a fool and boast. He says, about the works he worked and that he had labored more than the rest of them. More than the rest of who? The rest of the apostles. But we really don't know that God might have chosen to put the writings and the works of Paul to pen in the Bible or whatever, but we don't know the works of the others or whatever who actually worked. It's like on a job. The boss don't know who are working, but God tells you, to work as you're working unto the Lord and he's going to reward you. So man might not treat you fast. So a man or woman may not know whether the spouse loved them with all of their heart or not, but God knows. You see, we're just doing things temporarily down here, but we're laboring for what future rewards in an eternal being with God. Now, unless and until he changes his way, his ways, a lazy person will descend to being a servant to others, while a diligent person will grow 
prosper and control his own life. So you won't be tied to your spouse. You won't be tied to your children or whatever. Because each tub sits on its own bottom. And sometimes God has to remove a parent. He has to remove a spouse for that person to become all that they can be or should be or whatever. Because that other one is a hindrance. It's a weight of sin that's besetting from running the race. So sluggardness and slowfulness, a lot of times you can't come into being, and that's the thing with about Isaiah. He didn't see the Lord until God moved Isaiah out of the way. It says, in the year Isaiah died, I seen a train, I seen the Lord high and lifted up. You know, you may hate that God removed your parent, or God caused this divorce or whatever. And that's what I was telling you yesterday about understanding the forest and the trees. Why did God do what he wanted to? And that's where it comes from knowing God and experiencing God in an understanding. That's why you ask God for understanding. You ask him for wisdom and knowledge. His people was perishing because they were fighting from sight. They were fighting Spiritually, the stakes are higher. We're fighting for a much higher spiritual stakes here. Those who strive to master themselves and to exercise self-control to live God's way will rule in the kingdom of God because that's the battle that's setting up here now. But those in the... You can be in a prosperity church, but are they warning you that you really should be shaping family? And, you know, and like I said, I had children and my mother had us as children. That's the job of rearing children in, a, in the church. You have to learn to discipline them. So the details is that if God gave you children, he don't give everybody children, but if someone else rear your children, and the church should see that. The preachers should see that. And that's how they preach to the congregation of those within the congregation. That you have to be more family oriented. That's the warning. That's the barking signs of the dog. But if you allowing these things to run rapid and not warn the people, you should, you can say, well, Pastor, why you didn't warn me that I wasn't close enough to my family? Well, no, I, I, I spoke this. I preached this. I taught this. That's why he says they're slumbering. They're not getting spiritually discernment because they're not in connection with God. God's going to point out to the preacher and he's going to point out to the people around you. There's other sisters and people in the church. When the warning comes, when all of these things come about, God has seen who were warning the flock, who were instructing, who were lifting up. You see, because... We're in a training period whether we go rule and reign with Christ. The mothers of the church, the people within the church, used to can tell other people, say, well, look, you need to do this with your children. Look, uh, you know, the women would say, well, look, you need to bring some peppermints or hear something to keep them quiet with or whatever. Or the father would know or the mother would know. My mother would look over at me or uh, at the children. We wouldn't be clamoring and making all that noise because we were dead. 
if we did these things, so someone tells us, and that's why it's important for the father to be in the family and to bring those children without bringing the family to sit down as a family, without him being there in the afternoons. You know, one of the things that I was working and they didn't put me on the road. You know, I went out doing some sales, but I didn't have to do overnight stays and deliveries and everything because Miss Richardson said, well, you know, Emerson has children and everything. He needs to be home with his children and everything. Because at dinner time, around that time, you know, a lot of times I work late or whatever. But my children would know it. Dad could be home around 5, 530. They would know when it's about that time for me to get there. And if they have done something, they'd be pleading with my wife or whatever to straighten it out or for her to whip them or to get it straight because it's important that you have family times together, that the family is eating at certain times, that things are going around, and that the house is going along in that People go know when you get out in the streets, when you take your children places, whether you've been disciplining and training them, them at home. Because you're not going to have to scream and holler and make deals with them for them to be good and be quiet and all this. A look can keep that in line. So if the details matter, the big picture is that we're training for the kingdom of God. So you have to be alert and attentive and aware to what's going on around you. So that's why I say it's not only the shepherds, but the deacons and the mothers. The, the, the mothers of the church, it says that the mothers of the church, the older women should teach and train the young women to be keepers at home. But nowadays, instead of the preachers and the people learning this up, let alone younger women in the church a lot of us can't tell our daughters and sons anything. Or you don't tell me, uh, Dad, this and that. I'm growing to this and that, that. You never get too old to learn. And if your parent respects you, he's going out of the way to tell you, well, you should dress these children like that, or you should do this. But they don't want to hear what the parents say. But we, we are barking. I have a responsibility to at least say something. If it's going to cause a division, if it's going to cause a problem, then God enforces that because I've done what I was supposed to do. I'm not going to keep interfering or whatever because it says after the second admonition, leave them alone. If Ephraim is joined to the idols, let him alone. It says provoke not your children to wrath or whatever. It's a provocation if I keep telling you something. If I, well, I didn't tell you once. Let me raise my church or this and that. Day. Okay, I don't take that. So I'm not. Go, we're not going to get in an argument, a dispute, or confusion about this. You raise them or whatever, but raise them apart from me or whatever. Because if I see something wrong, I'm going to have to say something about this wrong. Well, because I would be like a dog that don't bark. A parent that says, well, I'm going to let my child go on and sell drugs. No, you know that child has money and, and bringing stuff into that home that he can't afford or whatever. He will have to leave home or whatever because you're doing the wrong thing. You have to bark. You have to warn. You, and God, you have the authority of God behind you. So if he's cursing and dishonoring his parent, the scripture backs you up on that because sometimes that can end up in a short life. You don't want your child to die or lose or leave out here early, but God does warn honor your parents that your days be long. 
there are ramifications of not walking right, but we have to see spiritually there are far higher stakes. That's why God says to the rebellious child and he's a disobedient and does all this, that the parents should tell, take him to the elders of the church and tell them, and then the people should all get together and they should stone that child to death. It was the death penalty for disobedience because it's the death penalty for us for disobedience to the word of God. Because we can't inherit the kingdom of God. As Paul says, I've warned you if I warned you before. No liars, no sexual immoral, immoral people, no thieves, no liars. In other words, in the New Testament, it gets to the point where in Corinthians it then told us that what was written beforehand, what was written in the Old Testament, was written for our admonition. Okay, so now you, like the ones I used to be preaching to and talking against me for preaching out of the Old Testament, when well, you're throwing your examples out now, if you don't believe the Old Testament was right, that you need both Testaments here. That now you living in an impractical life because you have no examples, no illustration, nothing to admonish you, and that's why the Old Testament was written for our admonition. Yes. Revelation three twenty one says, "He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, he says, I will grant to him the privilege to sit beside me on my throne, as I I also overcame and sat down." beside my father on his throne but we notice that Jesus had a battle here in the world and that he stood up against the religious leaders he said who's my father who's my mother who's my but those that do the will of the father so he made it plain who he made it plain to beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees now watch religion watch your teaching he warns that be many a Pharisee he warns that every tree that my father had to be planted shall be hewn down at the root of the tree he left us instructions here. And by the word, he says, I give them your word. It was pertinent to Peter. He told Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Yes. Feed my sheep. So if I give you the word, I've given you warning. And he says, I've made you a watchman to Ezekiel. I've appointed you. Now, if you don't watch them, if you don't be a man, a, a watchman, and warn them, then their blood will be on your hands. So as a parent, you'll watchman over your family. As a spouse, you'll watchman with your wife, with your husband. That's why it says submitting to one another. I can't just dismiss, dismiss my wife out of hand. And so a lot of people say, well, the Bible says be subject to your husband and they should bear rule over you. But I don't know if you look in here where this scripture in Ephesians says, Submitting yourselves to one another. I don't. I don't realize. Have you studied the depths of the scriptures? If you plumb the depths of the scriptures, and Jesus Christ Himself will reveal and open your understanding that you'll understand about the principalities and powers that's in scriptures, and that the Pharisees was the one that caught this woman in adultery and caught her literally committing adultery and Jesus Christ not a hypocrite because if he was a hypocrite he wouldn't be God he wouldn't be the son of God yes. he says I condemn thee not he says but and the warning was go and sin no more now this is a woman caught in the act of adultery 
So, so he wasn't a legalist, but he had the understanding of God's law and he had rules. So that's what we are seek to seek for. We should warn, but we shouldn't be to the point that we just nice and easy and bubbly and everything goes along. You remember he, John the Baptist called them vipers and serpents. You remember it was Jesus that told a woman that said, I should... I shouldn't give his the children's bread to the dogs. We need to understand scripture. We need to study. That's why I said, are we lazy? Are we studying the word of God and asking for wisdom from God to give us an understanding? Or you just go lay down and sleep a while. Is something on television? Is something on the computer? Is some game worth playing? You, you need to go to recreation or entertainment with the friends and things? Is it other things you can be doing? Because he tells us to redeem the time because the days are evil. That this this is primary. That has the preeminence in our line. Notice Paul's warning in the book of Hebrews, the second chapter, first and third verse. It says, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that what we've heard. We must give the most earnest heed to those things in which we've heard, lest we drift away from them. You can easily lose your moorings. You can easily get away. The church has mission creep. You can get away from the mission of the church of saving souls and the quality of the souls saved, not quantity. See, the church focuses upon quantity. They'll fire a preacher if they're not getting enough converts in per year. If they're not having enough conversions a month and people coming in, if the church is not growing, then something's wrong with the preacher or whatever. But if you understand the preaching and teaching of Paul, he says Paul he he planted the other one watered, but God give it the increase. God causes it to grow. If it doesn't grow and I'm preaching the word of God, well, I've done what I'm supposed to do, right? preaching but then hold on let's see the details am I living it though that's part of it though because that's what's happening with the Catholic Church they're coming to find out they've they've taught some of the things of the word of God or whatever but the ones that were preaching it not that a flawed vessel can't teach or preach the word of God but as he told David, you caused the word of God to be blasphemed. In other words, with all of these priestly uh, abuses and all of the sex scandals and everything, you may be a bad spokesman for the Godhead. And that's why most of the preachers and most of the ones see themselves as earthen vessels and see themselves their unworthiness. And Paul says he was the chiefest of sinners. We, we not as the Pharisees see ourselves as holier than thou. We allow God to fight our battles seeing our infirmities. No, I don't have enough built up to where I can just sit on the pew and say, I didn't did my work. No, I need to pray and repent daily, he says, in prayer and repentance. I can't miss prayer service. I, I shouldn't miss prayer service. I shouldn't miss a service, he says, for sake not to assemble together yourself. I need every preached and taught word of God. 
I need to continue to hear it because that's my necessary food. Hopefully something may be said that I can internalize and assimilate and grow from that because faith cometh by hearing of the word of God. So if I'm not hearing the word of God, and as Sister Harris used to say, you know, Pastor, there's something different than being there hearing it than hearing it over the radio or over the television or something. That was the argument during the pandemic or whatever. But that is not the bigger picture. That's a detail that's not seeing the forest from for the trees. The bigger picture was that you didn't want to jeopardize someone else or whatever and that God could work through communications, through the iPad, through Internet, through all these things because those was extraordinary times. Those was extraordinary things. Paul was able to communicate and heal people through the sending of handkerchiefs and everything. But that miracle doesn't work all the time. That was special miracles and special signs and wonders wrought for a purpose. God does things for purpose. That's why I say we have to get understanding. Slothfulness. Oh, oh, let me finish that. I didn't finish that. It says, For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive the just recompense or reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by those who heard of us. So that's one of the reasons I, I don't think it was uh, Paul uh, that wrote Hebrews, even though we give him credit, no confusing of the people or whatever. But it says, if we neglect such a, a great salvation that was began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. But see, Paul's was special, Sister Jackson. I was telling y'all that before. That Paul learned, he had studied the law. He was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was utmost. He was blameless as touching the law. But I spoke to you last week in teaching that he didn't confer with flesh and blood. It's not that what he heard, he was taught by the Lord. He said he went to Arabia for three years. He didn't see any of the apostles or whatever. The direct revelation in Jesus Christ himself taught Paul. So when it says it was confirmed by those who heard them, heard who? Them. He's meaning him himself. So a lot of people think it was Apollos or someone else that wrote Hebrews because Paul was a different case here. He was chosen ahead by Jesus Christ. He's predestinated. None of this came by that he didn't know Judas was fall. He said it in the book of Psalms. Let another take his bishopric. Slothfulness. Another thing with slothfulness here. Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes, the 10th chapter and the 18th verse. He says, by much slothfulness, the building decayed, and through idleness of the hands, the house drop it through. Uh, the Amplified says, through laziness, the rafters of, the, of state affairs decay, and the roof sags, and through idleness of the house, the roof leaks. The living says, laziness lets the roof leak, and soon the rafters begin to rot. In other words, I pray that God sends 
laborers into the field, they help us, that he sends young people, that he sends old people and all this because the church need that labor. It needs to work. We need, you know, the building need paint. The building needs attention to. Just like our body, it needs attention to. It needs prayer. It needs sleep. It needs all of these things. Uh, the rest of our life begins to decay and rot. But with our children in the character, we have to have them eating the vegetables. We have to ha let them eat carbohydrates and different protein. Meat can't be the only protein that they need plant-based protein. They need a balanced diet. And that's why Paul says, I haven't failed to deliver or preach to you the whole counsel of God. It's not like I'm a word of faith preacher, a prosperity preacher, and I'm just going to preach to you, buddy, coming and about wealth and focus all that in the body not be symmetrical. I'm going to do it. Moses did it. Uh, one group will stand on one mountain and preach the blessings and teach the blessings of God. And the other groups will stand on the other mountain and teach us the curses and the disobedience. What happens if you don't do that? Now you know the whole council because all of that was part of the big picture. Satan didn't foil God's plan in some kind of way or another cause the depravity of man and man's fallen nature. God allowed this to happen. He didn't rush up and say, oh, let me make it that before Adam eat of the tree. Hey, Adam, don't eat of that tree. I told you not to eat of the tree. No, all of this was part of the big picture. You remember I told you details matter. The obedience of Adam led for this because in making man, God didn't want him to have the knowledge of good and evil, but that's the experience we have over angels is that we didn't experience good and evil. See, I, I can't tell you the ravages of what drugs will do or, or what sexuality will do or what money will do or what greed will do or what eating too much will do or anything that's sinful. If I hadn't experienced it, that's why they say, when they say a childhood preacher or, or these people, if you hadn't been through it, I don't know if you can tell me about it. That's why when Paul says better not to be married, that's I made a lot of people think that Paul was a Pharisee and it, it may have been that Paul's wife left him or divorced him or whatever, or Paul's wife had died or whatever, because I don't think a single man is able to tell a married man that it's better not to be married. See, because that marriage man been not married and he's been married. That's why a lot of congregations and people say, well, I don't know if our preacher could be a good preacher if he's not a family man because if he's not a family man, he ought to stand up here all night going on and on and not knowing that getting my children home at 8, 9, to 10 o'clock at night, then by the time they get to sleep and eat and everything, it's almost in the morning and, and I can't get proper rest. They can't get their homework or whatever because he don't have a family. He don't know. He don't know about being married. 
So it's a lot of challenges. That's why God, he says he tried them. He could have took them straight to the promised land. It was not a day's journey to the promised land, but he took them the long way around because all of these trials and tests and tribulations, he said it's to prove you and test you and humble you. To get you down off your high horses, I got to tell you to go baptize, to go dunk in the Jordan seven times. Naaman was on his high horses. He says, isn't Potiphar and all these rivers better than that river? It's easy to tell people that you watch your kids and I don't have kids and I'm not tied up on a Friday night and this and that. that. Pray God give you some kids and everything and see don't you be messing my Friday nights and things up. I got to go to church in the morning or whatever. Now you you got kids and everything and are you going to take your kids away from me this Friday night or whatever and keep them away because now you understand you didn't understand that while you were single. You, you want to date your husband and everything and date your wife and do all of these things. And Valentine's Day, we see all the roses and flowers and things at Valentine's Day. We see some couples been married 30 and 40 years, but we don't see all those trinkets and things going about because teeth and tongue fall out now. I didn't hear the wife say, let it fix his own food. After a while, the honeymoon's over with. That, that whole, see, after you experience these things, then come back and tell me. Well, Jesus have, did everything. He knows everything that we have. We have a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. He knows what it is to be betrayed. He knows all of these things. And that's why God says, once you experience these things, the experience of these things, so if you're slowful, you will try to take the shortcuts. You're not going to want to do the work again. Uh, and a lot of people that's born with a silver spoon in their mouth and born into money or whatever and hadn't had the trials and tribulations, who hadn't set up with a sick parent, who hadn't set up with a chick, sick child or whatever, you can't tell this other person about those things. So we have to work on a marriage. You have to work to hold a marriage together. You have to work to hold the building together. You have to work to keep your job. And so why don't you realize that you have to work? Salvation is one that requires work and not a slow for spirit. You have to be diligent. You have to search. He says, once you seek after me with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Well, God knows, are you seeking after him? Well, the book's laying over there. The resources to find God. Because he says, study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, he can be found in his word. God doesn't speak to us opposite or paradoxically to his word. He doesn't contradict his word. This is the most sure word of prophecy. He says, in them you have life. They're, made, they're able to make you wise unto salvation. He told Timothy that you have the scriptures. They're able to make you wise unto salvation. Second Thessalonians 3.11 says, Yet we hear that some of you are living in laziness, refusing to work and wasting your time gossiping. They were saying that the resurrection was coming and they wasn't doing anything. They was being idle. 
He says, indeed, we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined and inappropriate life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies, meddling in other people's affairs. You know, you often you go around all day, you go from house to house, and then you start gossiping, did you hear this? And all that, they're picking up things. They become idle. Look like I'm, time is creeping up on me here. Hebrews 3, 11 through 12 says, And we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence all the way through so as to realize and enjoy the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be spiritually sluggish but will instead be imitators of those who through faith lean on God with absolute trust and confidence in Him and in His power and by patient endurance even when suffering are now inherited in the promises. In other words, you know, no matter how sick or destitute you become, that my strength is in studying the Word of God and reading the Word of God. It says, if any of you are lonely or anything's going on, read psalms and sing psalms and hymns and study the Word of God. Meditate on it day and night. That's where your strength comes from is in those promises that's in there. And if you embed them within you, you can't pull out of a computer what's not programmed into it. Yes. You need to program yourself with the Word of God. He says, your laws have I, you written on my heart. Well, nothing beats reading. And you find people that read and take a book or something and read it and study it much better television or hearing it all because the mind, the ratio is just reading those words. Same with reading and studying the word of God. That's what strength. You, older people you notice until their eyes completely fail them reading and studying the word of God but God will give you strength maybe so you can see longer to keep your eyesight better because he see you faithfully and religiously and that is your life because Moses was 120 years old and he says his eyesight wasn't dim. He was able to stand up on Mount Messiah and look all the way over into the promised land. Yes. See because if you laying around the house and not moving and that time that you wake up will start getting pushed further and further back and you're going to learn to be idle and put things off or whatever. But diligent, diligence keeps the fields plowed. Diligence keeps the house in order. It keeps things going. I was, we was in a meeting the other day at TJ Ribs or whatever, and this woman was saying that he, she was telling her son, oh, don't take my driving license. I got to keep my driving license because I'm getting up cooking and doing all this and have to do all these things or whatever in the life that she was living. And she say, she ain't but 93. 93. I said, you know, I need to tell people at church if I did. She was telling her son, you can't take my driver's license because she drives, she cooks her meals and does all these things. I've seen... Uh, and then Cheryl tell at Walmart the other day and she was telling me about her grandchildren and I was saying about my grandchildren everybody be proud of their grandchildren that's what they brought about their grandchildren whatever. she said you know but they keep you young they keep you going my wife on her Fitbit or whatever her step count is up tremendously when my little grandbaby is there it adds thousands of step counts to her when my grandchild's there 
dullness, becoming dull of hearing or not understanding. And that's what he says, you've become dull of hearing. That's in the that's why he says they're ignorant and they're dumb, and I don't want to use the word deaf and dumb, uh, uh, mute, uh, or not hear. The clarity of hearing, because what has happened, we've listened at rap music, we've listened at rock and roll, we've listened at country, all of the rhythm and blue, all of the music in all of these different voices, but we're not attuned to the hearing of the Word of God, because that's how faith comes, by the hearing. That's where your sensitivity and all of this needs to be increased in that area. It says, Psalms 8 and two said, 82 and 5 says, The rulers do not know, nor do they understand. They walk on in darkness that is of complacent satisfaction. All of the foundations of the earth, that is the fundamental principles of justice, are shaken. I was telling you earlier, have you seen what's going on in Republicans in the House of Representatives. Have you seen the political landscape? Uh, Moore, I forgot his name, Thomas Richard Moore, the guy who used to have be the editor of Christianity Today. He was the head of, I think, one of the Baptist associations or whatever, Russell Moore, I think it is. And I, I read a lot of his writings about the divisions in the churches and during this last presidential election or whatever, we have national Christianity rising or whatever. Can you see the handwriting on the wall? You see, that's where discernment and that's where understanding that God's people are seeing, that's why they won't be destroyed because he's not coming suddenly to his people. It's going to be suddenly to the world. It's going to be like they don't have enough time to get ready. So this parable of the five wise and the five foolish, I'm I'm still thinking on that parable and I meditate on it and ask God to show me because notice that he didn't explain that parable as he did the parable of the sower. We depended upon his revelation and his understanding for him to give us clarity to all of these things because it's more there than I've heard preached or taught some places. And so I say, if we lean not to our own understanding, but depend upon God to show us everything, we, we need the details, we need all of these things to be intricately woven in our lives to prevent this dullness because we can see the foundations of the world shaking. Rachel Mata was on The View a little while back and she was talking about the political landscape in the book she had written, Whoopi Goldberg held up the book and I'm trying to think of the name of it. But to us, that are, the ones that are straining in the Word of God, are studying and praying to God, those are the ones that get a vision. I've told you, you have to strain to get a vision. You have to perceive to get the perception from God so you can start seeing things from His perspective. You have to ask Him for the wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Those that are persistent, as Elijah was, pers- Elijah was persistent following Elijah, he kept pr- following after him, and Elijah said, if you see me when I go up, you'll receive that blessing because he wanted the double portion. He wanted to do twice as much. Are you focusing up on Jesus? Do you want this double portion? Do you want more? 
He says, greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. Heavenly Father, as we come before